Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this week, we hope you'll join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. for Sunday school or 10 a.m. for worship. Now, here's this week's message. I am glad, of course, to be here with you as we continue our series called The New You, where we are studying the book of Ephesians. If you're just joining us or you haven't been here for a while, you're coming like in the middle of the movie. While there's still plenty to go, you've kind of missed the beginning that set everything up. But don't worry, you can go online, you can go to our website, you can catch up and listen to all the sermons. They're there if you've missed any of them. Now here's the thing, Paul has said some pretty amazing things, but he really hasn't asked them or us to do anything. Well, to be fair, he did say to praise God, so of course we talked about that. He also told them last week, as we learned, don't be discouraged because I'm in prison. But other than praising God and to not be discouraged, he really hasn't asked them to do anything. Really, he's just been caught up with telling us what God has done. This is very important to understand because starting next week, he's going to start laying out what we need, what you and I need to do. You see, Ephesians is broken up pretty good, where the first three chapters are very much theological, meaning it's all about what God has done. And then the last three chapters really focus on, well, here's what that means for you. But there's a reason why he takes three chapters, he takes this time to really build up who God is, what God has done in Jesus Christ. But remember, what we're taking 14 weeks to look at would have taken them 14 minutes to read. Right, So by the time we get to the next section, we can easily forget about the section we just read, the beginning, but they would have kept that on their mind as they read through all the application on here's what you need to do because of his grace, because of his love. The reason why I tell you this is because the section what we're, where we're going is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be very countercultural. It might make you mad. It might make you want to walk out of the middle of the service. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I've heard, well, if that's what you guys believe. But it's just a warning to tell you up front, we do, I do in this church, we really do believe in the Bible. We really do believe in the authority of Scripture. But that doesn't mean we like what it says all the time. I'll be honest, we don't like it just as much as you sometimes. We all have trouble with what the Bible teaches. There are plenty things in there that I wish it didn't say. And I know you don't know me that well, but I promise you, you can trust me on this. If there's a way to explain away something, I'll do it for you. Because it's just as convicting to me as it is to you. But all of that starts next week. You see, this week is a transitional time. This is a time where Paul's going to bring together kind of the first section and really give you an intro to about what he's going to say. He's going to tell you why you need to do these things. You see, he's already explained our amazing God, his great grace, his great love, how much he cares for us, how we can experience this new thing. And he knows what he's about to get into will be very challenging. He knows they're going to have to realign their views. 
If, if you think the Bible's hard for you, imagine coming from a culture where you worship 50 gods. Imagine you come from a culture that had temple prostitution, and that was normal. That was life. I mean, imagine coming from a culture like that. You would find the morals and the values of Christianity very strange, very hard. I mean, Christ came in and kind of flipped everything upside down. So Paul is about to lay out the why. Here's why you need to do what I'm about to ask you to do. Here's why you need to follow my advice. Here's why. This is all about the why. You see, I used to have a hard time listening to what the Bible taught, really applying it. I mean, it's not that I had a problem with it being God's word. I was good with that. But my picture of God growing up, and maybe this was yours, my picture of God was he doesn't want me to do all the things I want to do. And all the things I don't want to do, he wants me to do. I found it very hard to, to kind of bring those things together. And so when people would say, well, you just got to follow it because the Bible said so, well, I'll be honest, I didn't want to do it. I've already told you I have an authority problem. And just because it was God didn't mean I had any less of an authority issue because I was saved anyways. I was going to heaven. So did it really matter if I followed what he asked me to do? Did it really matter if I did those other things? Then I learned something, and it radically changed my faith. It radically changed the way I viewed the Scripture. It radically changed the way I viewed the Bible. And we're going to talk about that today. But first, I want to ask, how about you? Have you ever had trouble following what Jesus teaches? Have you ever had trouble following the Bible, wondering, why should I really do it? Does it really matter anyways? Have you ever wondered why people align their marriages and their finances and their families and their entire value system based around the Bible? Have you ever wondered why people are so adamant about following God, even if it's countercultural? You ever wondered why they did that? What, what do they believe to do things like that? Have you ever wondered it, or maybe you're wondering it now, you're in luck. Because we're going to talk about that today, because Paul knows you have those questions. Paul knew the church in Ephesus would have these questions. So he gets into the why. Here's why you need to do what I'm about to tell you in chapters 4 and 5 and 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. If they're not already open, up to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be back here on the screen. You can follow along with us. He says this. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Now let's pause it right there because as Christians, we're used to calling God our Father because Jesus told us to call him our Father. said we could approach God like that. But notice here, Paul isn't appealing to God being the Father of your faith, God being your Heavenly Father. He's appealing to the fact that he's the creator of everything. He says he is the Father from whom every Every family on heaven and earth derives this name, meaning we all come from God. He's appealing to the one who created and designed everything. That's one important theological truth we've got to remember that's in the underpinning of everything you learn in the Bible is that God is the creator, he's the designer, he's the one who gave all human beings their purpose. Which means as the creator, he has the right to tell them or explain to them 
how they are supposed to live because who designed them? Yeah, he did. And if you didn't know, there's not one time in the scripture, never ever, not once, does God relinquish his ownership of creation. And that's what Paul's appealing to. Hey, the Father, I I go to the Father, the one who created everything, the one who made us, the one who gives us purpose, the one who just maybe, just maybe might know you better than you know yourself. This reason I go to the Father and I pray out of his glorious riches. That means wealth of his glory. I, I just love that. Wealth of his glory. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So here's his request. He asked God for them, and perhaps for you. Maybe we should pray this on our own. He says that God would give them strength out of his wealth of glory. He's saying that he would strengthen their inner being. And the inner being in the Bible is the center of your personality, your thoughts, your emotions, your will. Everything that makes you you is what he's talking about in your inner being. He says, I pray that God through, through the Spirit would strengthen in here. But for what? Does he pray that he would strengthen them so they could go home and bench press a whole bunch? Saying, look, I know you got a meet coming up. Does he say, hey, do I strengthen them so they can run faster on the track than everybody? Why does he ask them to be strengthened? He says this, 17. So, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're going to pause here for a moment. See, that's the thing. Paul is talking to Christians. And so it may seem strange that he's saying that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. But remember, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who've already experienced Christ. He's talking to people who should have already had Christ dwell in their hearts. Paul here is not talking talking about the initial dwelling of Christ when you first come to Christ. Ben Witherington says, Rather, Paul is praying for the continuing presence of Christ within the Christian through faith. Paul is praying for the continual presence. Hey, if you've tuned out, pay attention. This is really important, especially if you don't know Jesus or you're trying to figure this faith thing out. Because Paul's not praying that they would experience the initial dwelling. Paul is praying that they would continue to experience Christ, which means it is possible for you to know Jesus, for you to have given your life to Jesus, and you're not continually experiencing his presence. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, yeah, I know I prayed it, but, I, but something's missing. It's not there. He doesn't feel here. Because that word dwell, you got to love the, the language of Paul. If we, we just pay attention. That word dwell means to make home or settle down. Paul is praying that Christ would take up a permanent residence in their lives, in the life of a believer. So through faith, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. But Paul's saying that he wants us to be empowered so Christ will continue to take up residence, meaning he will have a permanent place in your life that Christ would come and settle down and make a home in you. But how does this happen? Well, he tells us. He says, through faith. You see, one scholar says, Paul is praying for those who are already in Christ, already Christians, means that this is not automatically the case for converts who have already experienced the presence of Christ initially in their lives. Rather, this happens through faith. Indeed, it is contingent on the exercise of faith 
That is, as they trust him and he makes their hearts his home. So listen, how do you continue to experience the presence of Christ in your life? How do you continue to to feel that dwelling and have him there? By exercising and using, stepping out on faith. Wetherington says again, he says, This shows as clearly as one could want that the sanctification and growing relationship with and the presence of Christ in the believer's life is indeed contingent on the believer exercising faith in Christ. You see, this isn't the initial faith. This is the continuing faith. The faith as we continue to take steps of faith, to do the things he's asked us to do. You see, you may have not known this, but we're not only saved by faith, we're also to live by what? See, you didn't know that. Faith. It's not just the initial, it's the ongoing process. And you see, faith is a really big deal to Christ. In fact, you may not know this. Do you know there's only one thing that's, that ever amazed Christ in the Bible? Really, you can look it up. I promise. I checked. There's only one thing that ever amazed Christ. Now, people are amazed by him all the time. People are amazed by his teachings, by his miracles, the things he said, the things he claimed. But there's only one thing that amazed him. See, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was carrying out his, his ministry. He was healing people and teaching and all of those things. And a centurion came up to him and asked him for help. Now, centurion had, he was a soldier, like a captain in the military, had about 100 soldiers underneath of him. And so this man came up to Jesus, and his servant was evidently sick, and said, Jesus, can you heal my servant? He's paralyzed, he's sick, and he's suffering terribly. So Jesus said, can you heal him? And Jesus asked, well, shall I come to him? Shall I come heal him? And the centurion said, I don't even deserve you to come to my house. He said, you just say the word and it'll be. And then he goes on to explain. He says, because I have authority and I know what it's like to tell my soldiers to go and they go or to come and they come. And then Jesus said this in verse 10. He said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. There it is, amazed or marveled. And said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found any, anyone in Israel with such great faith. How do you think Jesus' disciples felt who had left absolutely everything and then this centurion has more faith in them when Jesus said that? How do you think they felt about that? But you see, what's amazing is about what the guy said about authority. Remember he said, I have the authority to tell soldiers to come and soldiers to go. He is telling Jesus, you have the authority over sickness. You can tell it to go. You can just speak it and it'll happen. So Jesus marveled at his faith. But you see, this man's faith wasn't the only thing he was amazed at. There's another story in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus went home while he was doing his ministry. He went home and the people just started questioning. They would, Jesus would go to the place of worship and teach and they say, well, it's, he's teaching this, but isn't he untrained? I mean, where did he learn this stuff from? Don't we know his parents? Look at verse 6. I mean, chapter, Mark chapter 6, verse 6, it says, And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was what? Amazed. That's the only two times in the scriptures this is attributed to Jesus. This word amazed or marveled. And this time it's because of their lack of faith. 
says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. The only thing that's attributed to amaze or marvel Jesus is great faith or a lack of faith. Faith is a big deal. And you see, Paul asked that God would strengthen our inner beings so we could continue through faith, we could live on faith, we could exercise faith to know Jesus better. Because you already know this, and it's true with Jesus as well. Faith or trust, same idea, is the key to any successful relationship, isn't it? Faith or trust is the key to any successful relationship. Without trust, relationships crumble. Remember, when God created us, he created us to be in fellowship with him. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were told not to eat from the tree, but they chose to do it. They didn't trust God. They thought God was holding something back from them. In fact, the serpent entices them. Look at this, Genesis 3, 5. Look at how he entices them. He says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So at the very beginning, when human beings were created, they thought God was holding back from them. They didn't think God had their best interest in mind. They thought that he was, they were missing out and he was really keeping some good stuff to himself. So they decided to take matters in their own hand and do things on their own, claiming to know what's better for them in their situation. But before we give Adam and Eve too hard of a hard time, do we ever think we know better than God? Do we ever think that we know better in our marriages and our finances and our families and our... Do we ever think that we know better and we got it figured out? Yeah, sometimes we got to look at that and even be like, yeah, I get it. I've been right there. You see, through Christ, listen, through Christ, God is trying to rebuild your trust in Him. He's trying to rebuild you trusting and understanding and growing in Him. You see, as you trust Him, as you rely upon Him, as you step out on faith, you will see that His faithfulness will show up and you will start to build this faith. You will start to trust Him deeper. You will start to grow deeper in your relationship with Him. The deeper your relationship with Christ will be, the more you step out on faith and you know that. The more you start trusting, going, hey, I can trust you with this. Hey, I can trust you with this. Wow, I've seen you come through. Hey, maybe I'll give you a little bit more. Maybe I'll trust you with this. And we continue to grow. The idea is called, the, the big theological word is sanctification. We continue to grow and become more and more like him through faith. So here's the idea. Paul's painting. You've given your life to Christ as a believer. Christ comes and initially dwells with you, but your house is pretty cluttered. Your house is your home. Just to let you know where we're going. Think of that idea. So you've invited Christ into your life, but you have a cluttered home. Some of your homes look like that show, Hoarders. Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, it's a mess. Some of our houses look like a church. We got things from every decade just lying around, shoved in the corners. We don't really want to get rid of it because it might be important, so we just kind of push it there. But luckily for us, Christ will come and dwell in the midst of our mess, won't he? But here's the thing about Jesus. He wants to come and redecorate and renovate your life. And as Christians, you find this out rather fast. He wants to take up full residence. He wants an all-access pass to your life. He doesn't want to be a guest. Now, for me, this guest thing is pretty important because being new to the area and being so close to the beach, people love to come to my house now. 
And so I have parameters. I never let them feel at home. Even my mom. I'm like, you're a guest. You can't stay here. Our house is too cluttered as it is. In fact, my bedroom and my master bed bathroom, you're not allowed in. Ever. Like, this is my area. People are always coming in. So they don't, as guests, you know, you don't give guests full access, do you? Right? They're limited. They don't get to go everywhere. But you see, Christ doesn't want to be a guest in your life. Christ wants a full access pass to go everywhere and anywhere. He wants to be able to move freely around your life, freely around your house, to renovate and redecorate. You see, that's no problem, Brian. What happens then? What happens when Christ is walking down the hallway of your life and he bumps into that couch? And he's like, this thing has to go. It's old and it's filthy and it's dirty. You didn't think anything was wrong with the couch. You thought it was great and you loved it. What happens when he says, hey, this couch doesn't match the decor. This couch has to go. I'm sure your initial reaction is like, well, I throw the couch away. You know I'm using a metaphor right now, right? Okay, we got it. What happens when that metaphorical couch isn't a couch, but it's your finances? He says, hey, that way you've been doing that? That has to go. I got a, I got a better way. Hey, that way you've been treating your spouse, that has to go. I got a better way. Hey, that way and what you think you get from your kids and how you, hey, listen, that has to go. I got a better way. Hey, you know that thing that you've been holding on to and haven't been forgiven for? I know, that has to go. I got a better way. What happens when Christ wants to come redecorate? What happens when he wants to renovate? What happens when he says you have to throw some things out? See, I don't know about you, but my life was a mess. He had to come in to start throwing all sorts of things away. He was bumping into all these messes saying, hey, I got a better way. And I know it's hard, and I know it's challenging, and I know those couches and all those things have all these memories we don't want to get rid of. But what you will find, I can tell you from personal experience, when you step out on faith, when you do the things that he's asked you to do, when you learn to trust him, and, and he'll come through every single time you will find he really is renovating for something better. He really is decorating for something better. He really does have a better plan in a better way. Because you will find out that the creator of the universe really does know better than you. Really does understand you better than you think he does. And when we start doing that, our trust grows. Our faith grows. And we're like, man, you really are going to come through. You really are, and you really have, and you start turning more and more of your life over to him. So next thing you know, people are looking at you going, how do I get faith like that? And you start trying to tell them about this illustration that took me forever to get through, right? Try to talk about a house. And you say, Brian, I know this is hard. And you say, Brian, this is hard. This is too difficult. I know that's why Paul prays for empowerment from the Spirit. Got to ask God to help you here. You got to ask that Holy Spirit to strengthen you so you can take those steps of faith. And perhaps you, perhaps I could wake up daily and say, God, give me the step. Give me the strength to take that step of faith today. God, give me the strength to step out there. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be challenging, but God, empower me through your spirit to take that step of faith. Because quite bluntly, Jesus doesn't want to live in your attic. Jesus doesn't want to live in your closet. Jesus wants a full access pass to come and take up residence in your life. 
and work with you and work through you. And he's not done. He says this, verse 16. Excuse me, we're going to continue. He says, And I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with his power, that through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may take up residence in your hearts through faith. And he says, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Now stop, because being rooted and established in love, he's saying we being grounded and founded in love. How do we become grounded and founded in love? Well, he just told us. He kind of skips through that, and he says, well, no, no. Once you step out there in faith, once you're living by faith, you're going to learn to love Christ more. That love will grow in your life because you will find out, if you didn't know, listen, he is for you. He has your best interest in mind for his purposes and his glory, but God is for you. So he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, because that's going to happen the more you trust, the more you grow, the more you step in on faith, your love's going to develop. He says, I pray that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, listen to this, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Listen, remember, we aren't meant to live this journey alone. We come together to grow and mature in our faith. The idea is that you and I, we are going through faith on our own with Christ, that God is moving in us, that we are being strengthened and empowered and we're living for him. But then we come together as a body of believers and we do that. That we mature and we grow in our faith. That we are strengthened and we step out to do things for Christ. We step out boldly, empowered by spirit to say, hey, God's called us to this together and collectively and we're going to do that. And he says, I hope that you come together and we just get caught up in the depth and the width and the height of God's great love. And he says, in this love which surpasses knowledge. He's not saying it's not, it, it's not knowable. Hold on, bear with me. He's saying it's unknowable, but yet it is knowable. And here's what I mean. What he's saying is sometimes there's love that you can't describe. Sometimes there's love that you can't just read about and be taught. I can't teach you how I love my kids. I can't explain it and I can't teach you. It's something that's beyond me just teaching you. It's something that I've experienced. Paul is pulling to the emotional side. If you didn't know Paul was emotional, he is. That's what he's playing on here, the getting caught up in worship. The unknowable aspect is you're going to have this idea and this depth of Christ's love that you won't be able to explain that you can't learn and you can't just teach. It's something that's in you. It's something that you're experiencing. It's beyond words. Does that make sense? Does describing the unknowable make sense? Yes, it does. He's saying, you're going to get this together. So it's together. Together we experience this, this love and this knowledge of Christ. And he says in verse 19, the end, he says, so that, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the final clause in this section, the very end, that you may be filled with God to the full. Klein Snodgrass says this. He says, love brings movement. It causes things. To know Christ's love is to be transformed by love and expanded into the fullness of God. You see, the fullness of God is referring to how his presence and his power is felt in our lives. Through Christ, you can be who God has created you to be. 
In other words, through Christ and only through faith in Christ can you truly be human. Because God created humans, God designed humans. So the only way for you to truly get the human experience is in a relationship with God. And it's through the empowering of the Spirit, through your making Christ dwell and living by faith, will you grow to this depth of love. To then will you be filled with the fullness of God. Meaning, this, these steps of faith, these bold living for God is taking you somewhere. You're going to a place where you're going to be filled with the presence of God. You're going to be filled with his power and his love. And you're just going to be different. You're going to be transformed by him. You see, God is trying to develop you and teach you what it means to be a human being. What it means to truly be empowered by his love and grace. You see, the reason why we step out on faith and do things that are uncomfortable... The reason why we want to follow the Bible is because we believe he's teaching us how to be, well, truly human. That he's teaching us to live what it means to live. We believe, and I believe, and perhaps you believe, I hope so, is I believe sin distorted my view of absolutely everything. And so even though I think I might know something, I may not. So I go to God's word and I follow Jesus and I, and I try these things and then I find out that it was better. And then he was right. And that harbor and that unforgiveness and that anger and all that rage, that's not healthy. Like, you know that. We're like, yeah, of course it's not. Yeah, there's so many other things. And he walks us through on what that looks like. You say, well, Brian, well, I mean, what does this mean? What does this look like? I mean, where can I go with this? Paul's like, I know. Watch what he says in verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, or imagine according to his power that is work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Just to let you know, this is a traditional doxology. This is called a doxology. It is 2,000 years old. Good luck beating that one, right? Yeah, this is a doxology. He gets caught up in the praises of God. You see, the pushback from stepping out on faith the pushback from trusting God, you know this, I know this. We wonder, will it really work? We wonder, can I really trust him? We wonder, is he really going to come through? We think, what's well, not going to work in my marriage. It's not going to work in my finances. It's not going to work with my family. It's not going to work with my kids. It's not going to work. Have you met them? It's not going to work. Paul says, you don't know God. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God can do far more than we think. But N.T. reminds us this. I love this. He says this. He says, but this isn't a magic trick. I love this. God's power is not ours to do what we like with. If you want to get on map of verse 20, ask yourself whether you're on the map of the three chapters it's taken Paul to get to this point. Oh, and I love that. We want God's power, but do we want to, be, want to experience his grace and his love and the idea of what sin has done and how he's rescued us from it? When we get that and we experience that, God will show up. And so I ask you, what's stopping you? What's stopping you, if this is true, what's stopping you from living your best life in Christ? What's that step of faith that he asked you to take that you're hesitant or unwilling 
What's that area of your life that the door is shut, the door is locked, and you say, you can't go in here, I'm good. I got it, you can't come in. What's that thing? I've met people who told me that they have been stalled in their faith for 20 years because they didn't do what he asked them to do 20 years ago and he hadn't stopped asking them, they just hadn't done it. What's that area for you? In other words, are you a loophole Christian? This is uncomfortable, it's okay, we're almost done. Do you find yourself rationalizing why you don't have to obey God? Do you find yourself rationalizing why you don't have to follow and trust Christ? Do you look for ways to get out of trusting Him? Or do you find yourself rationalizing and justifying what you, why you must obey God? Why you must follow Christ? Because did you know to step out on faith means it's going to be scary? Do you know to step on faith which mean, means it's going to need boldness? You're going to be nervous? And do you know... I am the best person at talking myself in or out of anything. How about you? Are you good at talking yourself in things or out of things? We all are, right? We know ourselves better than anybody. I can sell myself anything very quick. Do I sell myself on following or disobeying? Do I rationalize or justify following or disobeying? I want to encourage you today. My goal is simple. I want you to know that Christ is trying to lead you to a place of incredible power, of incredible grace, and incredible love. I want you to know that God is for you, not against you. That he really does want to take you to a place that you know the depth and the height and the width and the length of his great love. I want you to know that Christ really does love you. And he's asking you because he's asking me and he's not done with any of us to take that next step of faith. To be bold. To get a little bit uncomfortable. And to take it anyways. So what's next for you? Is it giving your life to Christ? Have you done that? Have you made that initial decision that you're surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so he can rescue rescue you from your mess? As we talked about, it's not going to be easy. He's going to come in and invade your house, mess it all up, flip things upside down and everything. But I promise it's better. Or if you committed to a body of Christians, Paul comes to the point that we, we need each other. You can't do it without other Christians. Or have you taken that next step of faith in baptism? That public declaration that, yeah, I've given Christ my life, but have you, have you stood up there and publicly confessed and been obedient to that? These are just the beginning. It gets deeper and far more challenging. But your faith will grow. It will be expanded. And he wants to take you to a place of unimaginable love and grace and mercy and empowerment for him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for your word. We thank you for the great power that's available through Christ. Father, strengthen our inner beings. Strengthen us so we can be bold for you, so we can step out on faith. And whatever that thing is that's on our mind that we're trying to repress, that we're trying to push down, that we're trying to act like you're not bringing up, Lord, just bring it to the forefront of our mind. Expose to us where we're disobeying. 
not to feel guilty, but to understand that you truly want the best life for us, that you truly want us to experience you. Lord, help us see that. Help us understand you through grace and mercy and love. That that motivation should help us take that step of faith for you. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the gift of salvation. We pray that together, as the people of God, that we experience and proclaim and show your great love. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we continue to worship?